This is a Lit Match production. Ooh, ah, that's hot. Love you. Sorry for making you cry. It's okay. Um, I'm not crying yet, but I'm, a, I'm about to. <laughs> Little Red Square, enemy of the people. A scum. A true, like, the Monopoly man, but worse. Um, I would like you to elaborate on that because yesterday <laughs> you claimed that an awfully man is one of us and today you call <laughs> him a scum <laughs> and I have a very strong opinion, but you've just revealed yourself to be a hypocrite perhaps. Maybe not. You could be uh, a trans icon and a, a loving scum. Or an unloving scum. Unloving scum is our, uh, like, punk doo-wop name. Yes. Except we're the Amoeba Boys. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, sing Earth Angel, um, the unloving scum. With, like... <laughs> Wiggly edges like the Amoeba Boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like your moves. I get it. I see you. It's if like we can a... make it, I want to make the, the outer edge, like, rotate around. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking recently, probably in a drunken Tumblr stupor, that being non-binary is cool because like you can claim anything you want to be your own. Oh, I had right? a, I saw like, a good one today too. Sorry, like, I'm sorry. It, no, please, it's fine. Uh, you know, like a, just a one of us. Like when you, because it's it's also I think eventually we'll tie into what we're talking about today. Um, like you can connect yourself to anything. Because nothing matters. Because nothing matters. Okay. So it's like, ooh, that's a sexy pencil that I'm looking at right now. Like, I'm that. Right. That's literally uh, it. And I believe my tweet was something along the lines of Kirby and Skeletons and also Chet Baker are ours. And then it occurred to me the other day, but yesterday, that raisins and pennies and also, like, raisins and pennies are also ours. And then I was like, there needs to be a third thing because that's just like the writing slash verbal tick that I have. So I went with Monopoly uh, because, <laughs> because it just made sense in the moment. <laughs> but the Monopoly man does kind of suck. The Monopoly but the game man, of Monopoly, I think, is ours. I would say opposite. I would give you the Monopoly man uh, and absolutely fuck the game of Monopoly. Hard stance. That's fair. Um, that's fine. Thank you. I, uh... I appreciate your point. I wish I could remember what I saw today because I was thinking of you and I must have been doing something else because I was doing something and I went, oh, yep, non-binary, claimed, trans, like, done. <laughs> we just are just constantly trans. snatching things. Trans. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're just. I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking around my apartment right now and I'm like, I have a piggy bank that looks like the Statue of Liberty. Piggy is the most trans thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Piggy Liberty is extremely trans. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's very easy. It's both, it, it's, it's incredibly hard to be people like us. <laughs> it's so really you, very difficult. So you have to make light of it somehow. And sometimes that means, oh yes, the sticker on my notebook, 
one of us. Mr. Peanut take... is straight. Yeah, Mr. P- no, Mr. Peanut is not one of us. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you got to draw the line. I wish I could remember what I saw because it was like some kind of cartoon. Not it might not even have been a character. It might have been like a picture of an object, and I was like trans. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. It is. It's uh, really good. Um, hi, my name is Haley. No, uh, no, no! Fuck you! I get to go first. You always go first. I'm uh, fine. You can go first. I have a good ending. No, I don't want to. I don't want to go first. No, mine's. I ended with a, a banger that's going to lead into a segment. It's not as funny as last time, so you can have it. I relinquish. I'm a gentleman. I was, I was just going to say uh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to Free Live Cams. This is episode 14, baby. Boo, 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 boo. Uh, That's my soccer number in high school, so I don't know. Uh, My name is Jay. I use they, them pronouns. I am a fresh, 30, flirty, and thriving. And I decided that I will be using my 30th birthday as validation for every single good and bad and neutral decision for the rest of the calendar year. So, you're welcome, world. The end. I forgot you were 30, flirty, and thriving now, um, and that was a, a good enough reason you for, for you to go first. And also, sorry we've been talking for like an hour, and I forgot to say happy birthday. It's been a rough one. It's fine. It was a great birthday. I know, and I know I caught you on the day of, but like, I'm sorry. Happy birthday, King. That's fine. We have the whole rest of our lives to get drunk and dance to girl talk, so. That's true. That is true. Um, Maybe it was girl talk. Maybe I was like, girl talk, trans. Um, (laughs) Because I saw a tweet today. That's, I wish this podcast should be called I Saw a Tweet Today. Um, (laughs) Where we just read our DMs. That's (laughs) like a... That should be a... That's a little uh, bit what it is. A wrap-up segment. That's what we're doing. End of, I sent you this tweet today. Every episode. Um, maybe from the podcast account. Um, I think that, so. <laughs> uh, when will, like, Zoomers find out about Greg Gillis? And I was like, oh, that's our responsibility. Us as the trans must claim girl talk and bring them to the youth. Because this has to be at least the third or fourth time it's come up on the pod. So it's us. We're the... The angels with the thousand eyes were the the harbingers of of Greg Gillis. <laughs> How old are the Zoomers? If you know any Zoomers, just share this podcast and also make them listen to Girl Talk. Like. I'm pretty sure a lot of my friends have like siblings that are that old and they're teens. Teens shouldn't listen to us. If you're a teen, please don't listen to us or do, but don't take our advice. Yeah, don't take our advice, but listen to what we have to say, because it is very wise. And it's, uh, I don't know. All right. Anyway. Um, hi. Uh, <laughs> my name is Haley. My pronouns are they, them. Uh, I'm in a body. And my question for dick-having people is, where does it go? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were drinking something. That's the second uh, where does time it I go? Where does it go? I told you. I'm wearing uh, an unusual choice for me, but it's very cold in my house today. I'm wearing full-length uh, big baggy boxers 
with big baggy sweatpants over them like a 15 year old boy going in high school um going to lax practice with a bad attitude and um (laughs) they're so bulky where does your dick go because usually like the bulk i have a bunch of other men's pants and i'm like there's so much room i could put anything in here but i see see a lot of guys with this going on and like i don't have room for shit it's just bunches of fabric man where's your dick go Write in. DM us. Please don't DM us about your dick. <laughs> or do. But pay us first. <laughs> it's a good thing you think I'm funny. Oh, Jesus. It's like it's I was fine. saying, teens shouldn't listen to us. Because we talk about dicks. Not really. We could, though. No, not really. We're gonna. We will. Um, we will. Uh, so this is our series on having a physical, actual body. Being an inhabitant uh-huh. of a sausage sack. That's not what I meant to say. Please take, kind of let me do that again without the word sausage sack. Nope. <laughs> Meat suit. I mean, you're welcome You're welcome to say it again. I'm not going to cut it out. <laughs> you're not going to cut it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes take twos are better when you know what take one was. I'm not going to say it again now. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. You're on a roll. No, that was really it. So we're here. It's it's our first, second, first real non-introductory episode of our bodies segment. The first chapter. And I, I think this will probably be not a two-part episode, but a, a, two, a two-segment chapter on having in body being a person who has to exist with a physical form whether you like it or not Ugh. um which is funny because I, I saw this I i've, I've like seen it. a lot of tweets um <laughs> uh joke you know jokes about memes uh being perceived and slowly over time because that's something i've joked about for a long time and then it sort of got popular but like it had its moment and now it's slowly morphing into like a non-binary specific joke correct which i kind of love me too um it's interesting to watch the evolution of that meme over time i suppose i don't know what the right dialectic to talk about the aging of memes the sync <laughs> the synchronicity of meme uh <laughs> but they are. They're getting non-binary specific because we don't want to be perceived. There is a an interesting. There's a a TikTok trend happening very on a very small scale right now that is um, for non-binary people, and it's like so. The point of the app is videos, transitions, cute sounds, etc. So in this trend, it's non-binary people dressing mask, and then sort of dropping down to their knees and like kind of a crouch with like a feminine look. And I was like, I like this as a concept, but I also like don't. <laughs> I'm like, yay, I want to play with the non-binary trends. Uh, but then I'm also like, I don't want to be femme on TikTok. Do not look at me. At, at all. Uh, I also, f- I've been trying to like not post TikToks of my face. And then I finally gave in and was like, 
Hello, world. You looked really good, though. Thank you. You're welcome. I bought a hat that says Queens on it for my birthday, and I have not stopped wearing it. Do you live in Queens? (laughs) (laughs) It's my only personality trait, okay? And that's fine. Now you're 30, so you have two traits. (laughs) It's fine. I, I have so many, this, I can't just insert so many things. I have so many things to say. <laughs> I'm a chump. I'm a chump and a hack and a loser. You have a Mr. Monopoly, bud. <laughs> anyway, having a body, a sausage sack, if you will. <laughs> I won't. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the funny thing about being perceived is like, ultimately, like you have to exist in the world. That's it. And I think that's That's like the the root of a lot of these problems. And it's funny because I I don't know how to describe it to people who don't already get it. Because if you get it, you see the memes already. If you don't get it, like, I don't know. It's not a, um... I guess I'll talk about it now. I was going to talk about it maybe next time if it fit, but, like, it goes right here. So I saw these tweets today. <laughs> we should either name the episode some something about a physical, actual body, but also we should subtitle, I saw these tweets. I agree. I saw these tweets today, um, and they were two videos from somebody named Giselle, um, who I believe identifies themselves as um, a trans woman from their account and is of uh, some sort of native descent, native to America. And um, they were talking about, and I will link them below so you can see what um, they said because you should watch it. It changed a lot of my, didn't change my opinions, but it put voice to something that I felt that I hadn't been able to vocalize like that, which isn't something uh, that happens a lot to me because we had been I was listening to our last episode today and I was saying something about um you know if you were gonna generalize if society was gonna generalize how trans people felt that it would be you know a a girl who wants to be a boy a man who wants to be a woman right was something I had said last time and that never felt right to me um but so what uh, this person was saying Was that like they don't feel like they're born into the wrong body. They feel like society tells them their body is wrong or that um, they're not trapped in the wrong body, but they're trapped in this like Western colonial framework of what our society's ideas of body and gender are and how those intersect and like what a it does come up on binaristic thinking of that, like what a man should be and what a woman should be or what someone else should be defined in that. And that, like, being a trans non-binary person, like, they felt that they literally didn't fit in that space at all. And they don't fit in society. And that puts a lot of words to things I think I've tried to say on here that, like, I've struggled with belonging a lot my whole life. And it's nice to have some words to put to it now. But I think that's a really big part of it in a way I didn't understand that, like, Mm -hmm. you either understand or you don't. And that's a way I feel very strongly. But I think it ties to what you're saying about... um, you know, you either you either know or you don't. You know, I, I really am putting myself out of this, but, like, 
you know, I feel like most of us are not even all the way in, or if you feel you align some of the time or part of the time that like, you know, if you know, you know, if you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out. Yeah. And I feel like I, a lot of, uh, having a physical actual body intersects a lot with my ideas of presentation. So I'm going to save a lot, um, for next time. But, uh, like I was, uh, diagnosed with depression in some format when I was, uh, 14 ish, just, just turned 14, just turned 15 and, um, have a very visceral memory, memories of those experiences. Um, but even like as a middle school girl felt disconnected and disattached both like in a relationship sense, but also like in a physical body sense. Like I mentioned briefly, sort of alluded to it, but like a lot of my issues uh, come down to puberty. Like my first period was the day after 9-11. Thanks world. That's, that's literally it. Like, so all of the trauma of that event and then also my body being, becoming like a force of nature out of my control, Mm -hmm. uh, is all, says everything you need to know about who I am. And I like wore boy shorts because they made me more comfortable, but then I got teased and then I got acne and I had really bad acne until I was in graduate school. Uh, and like, like the physical function of the human body has always like freaked me out. And like everyone I know knows this in a variety of contexts. And, uh, I never, could really pinpoint what dissociating was and what it felt like until I was suddenly like, I don't know. I think if I was probably reading something or talking to someone and was like, I feel so outside of and disconnected from my body all the time. Like I literally will like look at myself in the mirror sideways and be like, Oh no. Yeah. I, uh... And sort of seeing, seeing myself as a physical presence, like a literal physical presence, like in a reflection or in a mirror. Like I try and lean into it by like taking pictures and taking selfies. But then when the selfies aren't good, like, you know, can send you on a spiral. Uh, I hadn't, um, connected a lot of my experiences, uh, from growing up and being in a body until hearing you say some of those things because I spent so much of my time in middle school and high school and some of college just can completely dissociated out of my body um I know I've said before on here that like there was a year I didn't really talk at all and on either side of that I was very very quiet and you know would physically make myself very small uh I think I have some (laughs) some neck and back problems because of that now uh but spent a, a lot of time dissociated out of my body partially which I understood at the time as a safety reaction to situations I was in. 
uh, that it wasn't safe to be there or be in my body at the time, which is part of it. But I also think um, a really big part of it was that it didn't feel good in, to be in my body because it wasn't where I wanted to be because I couldn't. We were talking last time about like changes you could make and changes you couldn't make, and puberty is a lot of uncontrollable change, absolutely. But like having to make peace with it in certain ways, or being able to dress a certain way, or change my hair, or my earrings, or whatever, or I don't know. But I would. It was not a comfortable or safe place to be, and like even now I have a lot of like chronic pain problems that like. There's so many things you look at and they're like, just like be present in your body, like just like breathe and chill. And like, it's not a, being in my body is not a nice place to be. It's not a cool thing to do. I have a lot of stomach problems and back problems and jaw problems. And a lot of that is a result of my mental issues, but it's taken a really serious toll on my health and digging deeper into that has uncovered a lot of other things. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, having to exist impacts you I had some other points I wanted to make along the way that got lost but so be it uh yeah I feel like (laughs) yeah I don't know and it's like this wasn't what I meant to talk about today but you know it's happening we're here uh I think part of it too also is um for me, I've always had, I guess, uh, so, hmm. I, I'm finding myself drawing a line also, if you don't. Uh, my most recent sexual encounter was with a cis woman, a queer woman, uh, who, um, she referred to my presence as having masculine energy, which feels really good right now in a way that, like, masculine pronouns isn't quite where I am. And, like, I can refer to myself as, like, a man or a dude or a boy or a bro and, like, feel comfortable getting that from people I know and trust who understand the context of that. Um but I feel like I've always had masculine energy. And I think that's like an interesting way of thinking about it and verbalizing it. And I feel like related, like (laughs) literally I'm telling you, I can't, I'm so sorry. I can't not talk about my period Um, because it's such a, a, in a, a thousand scare quotes, such a feminine, such a female, like you're raised to be 10 years old and taught what a period is and what it means for the female body and how a female body interacts with a male body. And it was so, like, that experience of growing up and your body's changing was so gendered. And having, like, our sex ed classes in elementary school were separated. So, like, the girls watched the video and then the boys watched the video. We all watched the same two videos but watched them separately. Because it's literally built into our society that it's like this. And, like, I understand that to a point, but also, like... It's damaging. It it was so... Like, puberty was literally so traumatizing 
And it wasn't until I was 25, 25, I got an IUD and it has stopped my period. And I've never like, because literally I would get my period and like would, would throw a physical tantrum like a toddler. I would get drunk and I would yell at my friends and I would like, like, like get into a crowded subway and like put like knock people around because I just had no like physical I needed like a physical expression of the rage that I would feel at this like once a month on the dot expression of my female body doing what female bodies do again all the scare quotes it makes me feel really bad and it's not something I think about or talk about a lot but like it makes me feel bad and I don't like it and it's not exactly what you're saying obviously because we're different people and have different feelings that's another thing that this person was saying was like all trans people have different experiences um (laughs) should be an obvious thing but I'm gonna scream it again all trans people have different experiences um but it also makes me feel bad like it it is it's something you know because I have done a lot of work to try and be in my body more of the time, even when it's hard and even when it hurts and even when it's scary. But that is something that throws me, like I dissociate so hard so fast. Um, And it is something I have to deal with because I don't, like my body is already in, I guess like it's just everywhere. It keeps coming up. I don't keep starting sentences with my body. That's what we're talking about. Um, I, my health is tedious, not tedious, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Delicate, not great, not very good. Um, tenuous. Yes. Tenuous enough that, um, I'm, I'm not willing to try birth control things right now. Uh, cause I've heard a lot of scary stories also. Yeah. Um, and that interact with things I have in a certain way, but, uh, you know, I, I know that could fix it, but it's not really something I want to do, but it makes me so uncomfortable. And I had gotten, I was living in Vermont and I had gotten really into like reusable products. I have like a wooden toothbrush and I keep all my shit in jars and whatever. So I was like, I'm going to get a cup and it'll just be in me and I won't have to think about it. And I can't, nope, 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 can't nope, do it. nope, nope, and nope, 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 there's a nope. lot of weird other shame about like growing up and doing things like that, that like, my mom like literally won't even say the word period or like pads or tampons or anything and we used to have to like hide all that stuff and like I didn't really say period out loud till I like went to college uh Mm -hmm. which is crazy um because it was such a shame-filled thing and there are many other stems to that that will come up in other episodes hates women but um it wasn't something that had come up, so, like, I wasn't really allowed to use tampons or whatever, which is stupid, because it's my body, but, like, I, it's not something that's comfortable for me because of how my body physically is, but, um, it makes it so much better mentally, because I don't have to deal with it. It's just gone in a way, uh, and I didn't want to, I didn't know we were going to talk about periods a bunch, but, like, God, it's awful, and as I've gotten older, my, like, physical symptoms have gotten really really bad i'm like laid out for two days now um 
which is not something that used to happen to me. And, like, it's bad. I still get really bad mood swings. I still get, well, qualify. I still get bad mood swings, uh, even though the the IUD has, like, mailed me out maximally. But it's also, like, it's been five years, so I'm, like, I have to get it replaced next month. And I'm, like, I'm... Actually, you know what? I will say it in the pod. I'm not going to cut this out. I have to get it replaced next month, and I'm fucking terrified that this cycle, this five-year cycle is going to start over, and I'm going to go back to having one, and I can't. I, like, I literally am afraid to get it, and I love my gynecologist. I am afraid to get it replaced because I'm afraid my period is going to start again, and I'm going to have to wait three years for it to go away, and That's I terrifying. can't. That's terrifying, and like, I don't mean to I literally cannot. compare the two experiences in size but just in time period sort of things. Like, I had stopped painting my nails after you really stopped being around because we were doing it, and then I was doing it for a while, and then I wasn't anymore, and I tried. I aggressively wasn't anymore. Um, and then, not as directed to you or anything. I was just butchy at the time. Um, and uh, I tried, I don't know, I had like a teacher thing or something a couple of years ago, but it had been like five or six years. I had gotten rid of most of my nail polish, and I was like, just try like a plain matte black something I know I like and I did one nail after not doing it for so long outer space outer space outer space all of the levels of the brain meme into the astronaut man pointing at himself I painted my toenails pink uh, for wedding and I literally I remember texting him being like I just associated because of my pink toenails uh, <laughs> uh, like, it, just, it do it'd be like that I even have a hard time I really I've had glasses since I was in third grade and like I wasn't a like little kid with strap glasses or anything not that that's bad but like I had I had glasses as a kid growing up I really can't fucking see anything um, it's bad if you wear strap glasses you're a fucking loser um, I will, I've had glasses for a long time, and for long enough that I guess like through puberty and everything, because I was in third or fourth grade, this is how I look. Um, I love how I look with my glasses on. That's how I look, what I look like, because you're, what, seven or, not seven, you're like eight or nine in third grade, nine or ten, uh, nine, you're nine. Yeah. Um, eight or nine. And so I went from being a very young child all the way up until now. Like, my, my mom had always wanted me to get LASIK or whatever, or like wanted me to get contacts, and I hate how I look in contacts. I find it to be so jarring because that's not what I look like. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, like, you know, for, I like to do it in the summer because I work outside, and I love to swim, and I started wearing sunglasses, and it, like, I like wearing sunglasses. I like to, um, also sometimes I need them when I drive, uh, but, um, you know, whatever. So I do, it in the, I do it in the summer a lot, but, like, it always catches me off guard right away because same thing with putting my hair up, and I guess we're talking about presentation a little, and we can dig further into it later, but, like, just yeah. that's not what I look like to me. This is what I look like. And I had, a, you know, some different glasses as a kid, but from the time that I was, I think, in, like, 10th grade up until the time I was 25, I had only two sets of glasses in that time and they were both very similarly that like late 2000s early 2010s big black square hipster frame like those were my glasses but they were huge and thick and they took up a lot of my face and they gave me some distance from everybody else they're a nice barrier and I was working 
and my glasses broke and I had to get them replaced pretty quickly and I didn't have insurance at the time so I got them through uh, Warby Parker because uh, they were nice and cheap and I tr uh, got you know four pairs that were pretty similar and like one clear pair to try as a joke and like ended up loving them but it was a really really hard thing for me to adjust to because I have to look at my own fucking face um, and they're still there, and they're still big, and they're clear, and I usually get tinted ones. These are a little um, green. The other ones I had were more green, but these are smaller and more clear, and I even had a really hard time with that because it means I have to look at my face. Dog, let me tell you, this is why I always wear hats. And what's funny about the importance, I used to be very not against but felt very much because I, I've always been very confident in myself or at least a perception of myself I think I've been able to outwardly project perception of myself which masquerades as confidence both internally and externally and uh, I always knew who I was and I still do and it's just taken me a long time to like figure out how to talk about it um but like a very evident thing about you is that you know who you are and I mean it in a good way thanks pal you're welcome uh, I have a visceral memory of writing a journal entry in the basement of my dad's former house where he lived with my grandmother when I was 10 years old and it is an entire journal entry about how I hate that I'm growing boobs because it makes me look like not myself lol Oh, yes, that's what I was saying. Uh, feeling, because I feel very strongly about who I am and always have, I have never really attached myself to the idea of needing representation and uh, demonstrators in movies or TV of, like, who you could be. And I've come, like, way around. I'm, I'm now, like, in the same place but for different do reasons you wanna, now. Do you want to have the representation conversation? I was wondering where it's going to fit because I feel very differently and I'm curious to talk about it. No, no, not okay. right now. All right, but sometime yes, yes, for sure. But but like literally, I think if I had known what trans was <laughs> when I was ten, uh, and was having those thoughts in like a whole different podcast, a whole different series of podcasts about transitioning at different ages. Uh, but I feel like I would have had a whole different life if I had even known words for what I was going through and I remember I have a very distinct memory also of like summer camp just like you know you're outdoors you're doing activities while your parents work whatever and uh I was in a bathroom sink like a single stall like a one-on-one -on -one, whatever uh and I was like wearing a hat and I had the hat on forwards and then I turned the hat backwards and I literally remember like staring at myself in the mirror until my eyes went blurry and I like stumbled out of the bathroom and was like don't I look like a boy with this backwards hat on and the like adult not adult they were like teenagers like the 16 to 18 year old counselors were like no you don't because they they thought that was the right answer and it wasn't yeah. I was like are you sure I think I do and they were like no it's fine you don't and I was like no okay and I remember being like actively disappointed that I wasn't passing well, that's, <laughs> because no, like I... because I turned my hat backwards and now I exclusively wear backwards hats and I'm like yeah fuck yeah it's great 
I love it. No, I... I'm passing right now, and I'm like, well, okay. Really don't remember a lot from being young or a lot at all. Um, haha. But part of that, um, especially from, like, growing up at least, is from being so dissociated all the time. And yeah. but especially from being even, like a, like, a little kid, there's not a lot I remember. Um, but I, like, know there was, you know... People used to describe me as, when I was very young, as really outgoing and, you know, all over the place and this and that, whatever. And then, like, you know, by the time I was in later elementary school, I know I was very quiet and very composed and very shy and this and that and the other. Mm. And I think a big part of that would was probably realizing I didn't fit into the boxes. Um, because that must have been hard for a kid um but also in terms of just like actual I don't know what you said that made me think about it but I I, it's come up a couple times uh as an older kid with even like after the puberty stuff um still being in puberty but after like the talks you know um being in like late middle school and high school um being so afraid of like just bodies we had gotten, uh, I'm from Long Island, so it was close to the city, and uh, we had gotten tickets to see, like, a hair revival or whatever. It was, like, my birthday present, because I'm a fucking fag. Um, <laughs> and my mom was so excited, and I had a meltdown, and I refused to go and lost my shit, because I knew that at one point there were naked people on stage. And, like, we would go to... Um, museums and I would like be so uncomfortable and like lose my shit about stuff younger and growing up at like statues and things but like it was like my 16th or 17th birthday and they were like listen like you're being dead like it's just for a second like just like chill and I like we didn't we didn't go um Mm -hmm. they returned them and like I got like a winter coat or something um because I couldn't handle it and like I was a dancer growing up and people would just fucking be naked changing backs and I would like freak out or like anything like that like I just couldn't be around bodies at all and it wasn't you know in the like classic growing up gay like I don't know ABC family story of like I was a lesbian in a locker room and I didn't want to look at a boob but like the idea of a body (laughs) <laughs> the idea of a body scared me. I used to be really afraid of pregnant people as a little kid um, because just, like, changing bodies, like, it just, bodies are nuts, man. They, it's yeah. a thing, and, like, I don't know, my relationship with my body is really fucked up, and it affects everything. And I, I, I feel so similarly, and I feel like I have combated it by being ostentatious so I will flex or find an excuse to take my shirt off or I will you know just strut or clown like and I did that I had never done that but when like we went on we went to Texas and we were hanging out in crop tops or uh after that there was a couple um people I would hang out with that like we would all take our our shirts off at practice and whatever and that was really fun and like I was saying too that like I dress different now and like whatever but like because you just can but like 
it used to scare the ever-living shit out of me so hard at all. Not even my body, other people's bodies, the ideas of bodies mm. just was not a thing I could even handle thinking about because it had never, it was so scary I couldn't deal with it. That's really interesting. I I don't think I've met anyone who's ever described it like that. I also, like, was a, was distasteful about my own body, but, like, very much appreciated other people's bodies. And I think that's also, like, until I learned how to fake the confidence or learn what made me feel comfortable enough to be confident, which is kind of the stage I'm at Mm -hmm. right now, um... I love other people's bodies. And, like, that's the cool thing about being bisexual is I'm like, you, yeah. You also, yeah. <laughs> and you, fantastic. Well, like, And that's such a fun thing that, like, honestly, I didn't even touch until my 20s. And, like, it's great. Hell yeah. But, like. I and know, I, I think that's, I would rather, well, more to come in our sex episode. But, like. Well, that's I would so rather... many different issues too. Is the thing is like it's a control yeah. thing. It was a food thing. It's a presentation thing. It's yeah. a my body thing. It's an other people's bodies thing. It's a society. Like it's it's everything. So this is actually this is a great segue uh, to a conversation that both of us made a note of after listening to our last episode between dysphoria and dysmorphia. Every time I said dysphoria in our former episode, I meant dysmorphia talking specifically about issues with perception of body and just before I forget that my related point is like I even as a teenager and still now like covet men whose bodies I would like to have and like like touching and and with with uh female presenting people as well like like having and touching a body that I think is beautiful makes me feel better about mine. And it's like more to come about this, but like, like that feeling of validation based on attraction and like being with someone who also wants to be with you. Uh, but I think like for me, sometimes I feel dysmorphia being with men because I want it, I want it to keep and have and to hold, but I also want it for myself. Uh, so I just wanted to make that quick point before I forget more to come a million times over in this conversation and forward conversation. No, I'm really, I'm really excited to, to talk about it. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up. And I think that's a, I think that's a good place for this to go because that's not how I felt about it. And I, do mean dysphoria and I had to do some some dictionary looking up which I will speak to in a minute mm. um me too me too yeah. me too um because I was like wait these are two different words yeah. that we've been which saying I didn't know I didn't know dysmorphia <laughs> was a word before you said it um because I I do mean dysphoria um but I wasn't sure and I learned something um which is that the way dysphoria as I understood it from the dictionary and like what I thought is that like you feel uncomfortable or unpleasant or bad in some way right uh because 
of your experience, right? Something doesn't line up and it creates a bad feeling. Um, I wish you guys could see my gesturing. Um, I'm making, I know, there I'm making are some sh- fault motions. Your shimmying was lovely. But... <laughs> some, some shoulder moves in the earlier in the episode that are not going to translate into this audio medium. I'm just going to leave it in. I'm going to leave in silence of me and like my chair kind of squeaking. And it's me. I'll post a video on Instagram or something. <laughs> Follow us. Um, uh, so, but that's dysphoria. Whereas dysmorphia was like you, you wanting, feeling bad because of your actual body and wanting to change it. Yes. Yeah. Dys- dysphoria, um, as I understand exactly as you're suggesting, is like life and experience discomfort, mm-hmm. and dysmorphia is like a hyper specific like physical body specific okay. perspective. So, so I, I guess, go ahead, go, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say the, um, the specific story I told discussing weight gain and weight loss with a friend being connected to a transness. We were talking about the word dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. And in our previous episode, I was saying dysphoria and I think they are, layers yes of the same thing i think they but like it's a venn diagram at some point i, I agree um I, I literally did this with my hands <laughs> i made i've made a venn diagram with my hands as Haley said venn diagram um but yes that that my throat clear was in that very specific case but then kind of throughout i was noticing i was saying dysphoria when i meant dysmorphia so i um don't always feel dysmorphia i would say rarely and probably Ugh. more in relation to my eating disorder. And as we've joked about on here, like once in a while, like I would love to have some some less or more of a few different parts so I could be a hot skinny stoner boy with some messy curls. But like that's not, um, it's not the main problem I have. The main problem I have is I really, not problems, not the right, what issue, whatever, the, the struggle I have is um, really dysphoria in that it's not that I want to change my body, but I wish my experience in my body was different. And I wish that my, I wish my experience in my body was different. And I also wish the experience that I had in my body, like in society was different. And that causes a lot of um, strife and discomfort and pain and uh cognitive uh when things don't line up uh and you're learning things cognitive dissonance cognitive dissonance for me it's really hard um but it's more of an experiential thing than like an actual physical body thing i don't necessarily like want to get a surgery or take hormones hard hard from long island take hormones hormones take my hormones uh i don't want to necessarily do that or um change my body in some way but I wish I felt better in the body I had mm, and that that's so interesting my experience in this body was different in my life because you have to and like come bringing it back it's like because we have to live in the world mm. and that's really fucking hard for me but just uh you were saying immediately about feeling dysphoric all dysmorphic see i even wrote the wrong thing i'm gonna try and work on it feeling dysmorphic all the time um and i don't know that i had vocalized before that i had felt that specific thing because i didn't know the difference literally before a couple hours ago 
Uh, I know, seriously, me too. In those few ways. But I also now think that there are specific parts of my body that make me feel that way sometimes, but not all the time. And some of that is situational, and some of that is just sometimes and not all the time. Um, but I would definitely say I, I, I do mean dysmorphia, uh, dysphoria when I say dysphoria. Um, cool. But it was interesting to hear you then. I'll make um, sure to take that note so, out of the... I'm, I'm just... It was good we talked about it, though. Um, yes, but... I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I literally didn't know. Um, but you, hearing you speak to it more, I do feel that way sometimes about certain parts of myself in certain situations or otherwise. So that was an interesting lens to put on that. Oof. We're getting there, lads. Oh. <laughs> You got, me, there, you got me a little bit before. I was just quiet oh. about it. The problem, the problem with me, <laughs> it's a whole number of things. Uh, oh man, I wish I, okay, literally hold your breath for two seconds. I need more alcohol and then I'm going to do, do, I have need- a whole... Um, I have a whole... Do you want to go? Because uh, we could cut it. We can go. No, there's... Yes, there's something that I would like to talk about right now. Okay. And it's kind of a long... also get more alcohol then. And pee, maybe. Love you. Sorry for making yes. you cry. It's okay. Um, I'm not crying yet, but I'm, a, I'm about to. Yeah, me too. No, this is really good, though. These are things I've never uh, said out loud enough to figure out. So, ha Ha-ha! I'm going to leave all of that into the podcast. (laughs) That's the cold open. Hey. Hey. So, it's interesting to hear you say, like, to make your comparison about dysphoria and dysmorphia. And, like, we just, what you didn't hear is, uh, me cutting the last 15 minutes out of this podcast of recording uh, so the two of us could take an emotional break and also um, an it. alcohol break because it's funny. I thought 15 minutes was going to make the, the tears go away, but they're back so I'm, fast. I'm more nervous now. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's it's um, Dysmorphia is not something I realize that I feel all the time until I realize it's something I feel all the time. And, uh, sorry, squeaky chair. <laughs> let me, let me move around a bunch to not get on the recording. Um, you can't make me cry that fast. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I mentioned it on our last episode and episodes past that's, um, like I'm five feet tall. I weigh 120 pounds. Like this is it. <laughs> like I've seen the, I've seen the movie Gattaca, like, it's not real. You can't. Robocop isn't real. Uh, you can, yes. <laughs> A different uh, like, time. Can we talk about Gattaca? Like, I have yeah. something to say. Not now. I fucking love Gattaca. He literally, he, he gets his legs broken to get taller. And I remember watching that and being like, yeah, I would do that. Like, I for sure. Like, like, it feels so bad. <laughs> oh, it feels so 
terrible to be so small and like the 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 point that I have is is the it just came it came to me in a dream uh the phrase aspirational dysmorphia um because it happens when I'm like it happened really bad like a, a couple of months ago I was I don't have a date on my notebook but I have it written down um I was watching a movie directed by Ridley Scott where Russell Crowe is like uh, a financier and he does like a big business and then his uncle dies and leaves him like a house like a like a chateau in the French countryside like on a vineyard and I'm literally just like watching it and it wasn't really a great movie <laughs> it was fine it was very sexy very romantic company uh it was fine um but I'm just like looking at Russell Crowe and his body and he's not like super fit in this movie he's like decently fit but not like super super fit um and he's just so like <sighs> or like I'll watch a movie with Richard Gere I went through this bad okay so first in quarantine I went through this bad like we watched like three uh, Richard Gere movies one day <laughs> We did. Yeah, that's true. We watched all of those movies. Um, that was a good day. I was, like, watching a lot of the Matthew McConaughey rom-coms, uh, um, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Matthew McConaughey, like, oh, he's so perfect. Um, I was really into, like, 2007's James Marsden was a feeling I had. Yeah, baby. Um, pull it off. And, uh... That's what I'm saying. You know that I know, and I know that you know. That didn't make sense to anybody else. <laughs> Keep going. And um, it's uh, it's it's that where it's like, I think part of it is you watch movies about women who have trouble with their lives, and it's all about like them being skinny or something and it like these movies are all about men who like use their bodies and love them and I have these thoughts of like wouldn't it be cool to have a body I wasn't actively trying to destroy all the time and like wouldn't it be nice to have a body that lets me love and be loved and make love the way that I want and I think like a lot of that has to do with presentation which I want to save but you know having a, a job that he could use his body every day or whatever or um, what would it feel like to be able to do that and, and you know um, that was something I faced with both by coincidence and by force in that mm. I fell into farming through a series of chances and it felt so good to me in a way that I had never considered before. Um, like doing like literal physical field work or manual labor in a packing house or whatever. Like I just, it feels good to me in a way that's hard mm -hmm. to explain. Um, and um, in contrast to that, um, one of the teaching jobs I had put my health 
at such sacrifice that I had to quit and take a couple of months off of working anything because the tax of it on me, I was so, so incredibly sick. I couldn't do it and I won't go back to teaching now, four years later, three, not four, two and a half years later. Um, I, I won't consider going back because the effects of it were so damaging on me. Um, and just the impact of your lived experience in your body every day and the, the many faceted tolls of that, which we later are going to talk about queerness at work, which is one of them. But just, I mean, like the literal, literal physical, actual body. I was so, so sick from doing this thing and I didn't realize that that was what was doing it. I had gotten all these, was going to the doctor and was doing this and that. And some of it is psychological shit. That's my own trauma that's coming up. But a lot of it was my body in my job. Um, and it's been really difficult to be faced with that in things I can change and things I can't change and how it's affecting literally right now as I'm job searching the way I live my life. Because one of the things I have to think about and honestly, the most important thing to me right now, like I've been saying to people, is like, I don't really care about having a career anymore. I want to have a life. I want to cool. have a life that I live that I am happy with and that it feels good to live in the body I have. Like, I want to feel good every day um, because it was not a thing I felt for 25 years. Yeah. Um, and once I realized it was something that I could do, I would like to try and that you know touches back again too on how it what I feel doesn't line up with how society is yeah um but that's a story for a different day you said something about having uh, a body that loves and lets you be loved in the way that you want and I have to uh deal with that for a while maybe those words in that order I I I just see these like it's a lot of it's a, it's in a lot of film, you know. Handsome, smart guy gets the girl, and it just makes me think of like this life that I could have had, and I have this vision of like <laughs> either getting top surgery and restarting my life, like changing my whole identity, or like going back in time and like. In this vision, there's, like, this apartment in Gowanus I used to run by, looking out in the water in southern Manhattan, and I was like, that's where I would live, and I would live there, and I would work in finance, and I would get sober, and I would drive a motorcycle, and I would meet the love of my life at a bar, and she'd be across the room, and I would see her smile, And I would realize, like, that's the last smile I ever want to see. And we'd get married. And, well, first, first we would date. We would date. And we would make love on our first date. And then we would just fall in love. And then we would get married. And it would be, like, a small, beautiful wedding and all my college friends would be my groomsmen. And her college friends would be her bridesmaids. And then 
in this fantasy, we have two sons, and they're twins. And I, I will not say what their names are on air, because it sounds too much like a call-out. <laughs> but it's not. There are two names that have always been my favorite, and those are the names that my sons would have. And um, we would go to opening day at Yankee Stadium every year, and I would raise them to be Green Bay Packers fans, just like their daddy. And we'd go to Lambeau once a year, or at least every other season until they get bored of it. And they go off to college, and they meet girls, and me and my beautiful wife, we downsize, and we live in a smaller apartment, and we move back to Brooklyn. And we grow old together. And we die together. And it's the life that I could have had. <laughs> it's the kind of forethought I've never had. And it's a feeling of like, like, what is that? Like, where does that come from? I don't even want kids. Like, I really don't want kids, and I don't want to get married. But it's this feeling of, like, being the most caricature of a man, because I could be a man. And that's a hard, like, it's a hard future to see, because it feels like a past. And it feels like a fantasy. And it's not real. Like, it's, it can't be real. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing... It's, it's a joke. It's a movie, right? It's... It's nothing. But it doesn't stop me from thinking, like... What a man I could have been. So... Thank you, Lit Match. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Zach. I'm recording this stinger after the fact, as I'm sure you can guess. That was a real doozy for the both of us. We're grateful for all the love and support of our listeners, of our team, of the creatives who have helped us get this project off the ground. Tune in in two weeks for more (laughs) of this. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for your grace, and uh, hopefully this helps you in some way too. Bye!